Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets, the podcast. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I will be your host. The guest today is Chris O'Byrne. Chris owns a company called Jet Launch, and the way that I met Chris is he helped me publish my book, Social PR Secrets, the first edition, second edition, third edition, and fourth edition. In this interview, Chris and I talk about the ins and outs of writing a book and also the pros and cons of self-publishing. If you're thinking about writing a book, you are in the right place. Let's welcome Chris. Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Digital Dish. My name is Lisa Beyer. I'm here with my co-host, Kathy Hackle. Hey, Kathy. Hey, Lisa. And today's subject is whether or not to self-publish for a book or go with the publisher. And we have the perfect guest to talk about this, Chris O'Byrne. Chris, I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about yourself. But how I know Chris is, is he has helped me publish Social PR Secrets, first edition, second edition, and now we're working on the third edition. So Chris, tell us a little bit about your company, Jet Launch, and your background. Yeah, well, my background is long. So the company is, um, company, what do you do is we do self-publishing services. So anything from editing to uh, ebook design, print book design, design, and then helping with the publishing end, um, everything up to marketing. And that's where we don't go any further. Awesome. So, um, and first also, I want to tell Kathy, welcome back, because she's been on maternity leave and had a baby, and she's missed a couple of the episodes, but she was with us in spirit. Welcome back, Kathy. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. I mean, this is a nice little break for me, to be honest. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so when I was writing Social PR Secrets, I can just tell you firsthand, it was very difficult to get from point A to point B to publish. And I at first started along the lines of, a, of using um, a publisher. And it was a very rigorous uh, exercise. And I sw- ended up switching routes, you know, short story of it and self-publishing, which I'm really happy I did. But Chris, what can you say to the differences between, can you kind of like walk us through the main difference between going with the publisher and then doing a self-publishing exercise, like the route, like what you do. Sure. Yeah. The, the big difference is control. That is the main thing. Um, When you go with a traditional publisher, they are buying your manuscript uh, and they're buying the rights to that manuscript. Uh, In some cases, people will unknowingly sign away all their rights, like movie rights or uh, using it in articles or other places. Uh, But either way, you're signing away your book rights. And in exchange for that, they are giving you uh, possibly an advance, uh, often not these days, and um, offering to pay you if your book happens to sell. So it's a a win for the traditional publisher, but not so much for the author. Self-publishing, you take control. Uh, You are in charge of finding the people that are going to do the editing and the design, um, uh, marketing. Well, even with traditional publishing, you have to do your own marketing now. Uh, but you have to find people to handle those pieces. Uh, but once you do, you keep all your rights. You have control. You get to decide what you're going to price it at. You get to decide what you're going to do with the book, how the cover is going to look. Every little piece of it, uh, you get to have control over and make your decision. And you end up getting, you know, 100% of your royalties. So uh, financially, it's usually a better job of, you know, when you go with self-publishing. Well, just from a marketing standpoint, I mean, um, 
it's a great credibility credibility tool to have a book and to um, have you know say I'm an author and um, you know authority on a subject but it's kind of scary to not like like when I was first writing social PR secrets I thought oh if I don't go with a publisher like it's not going to be real but it really is real it's you know most people don't even know the difference of whether or not a book is published by you know using a like a McGraw Hill or going the self-published route so how do you um what do you say to that like is there is, is there any any big huge advantage to going with the publisher very little these days because so many people self-publish it because it's become you know the norm it's you know people are used to it now it's no longer somebody with a mimeograph machine remember those uh, <laughs> cranking you know out pages and stapling things together in their garage it's when you look at books online on amazon uh, you can't tell the difference uh, between a self-published and published book or traditionally uh, in most cases that's providing that you know, somebody's done a good job of the cover and uh, the editing and all those pieces. Uh, but otherwise, they look the same. And most people these days buy their books on Amazon. Um, so it, there's no, I haven't noticed a credibility issue. Uh, you know, even with people that I talk to, people when I talk to them about what I do, uh, there, there's no longer that stigma of being self-published. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, so I sent you, we all shared this article that I thought was very interesting. And one of the things it's, it, it started out by saying this, you know, one author spent, I think it was like $250,000 or some crazy amount yeah. promote, pre-promoting the book or promoting a book. And then this other author, you know, just had a great, basically a great book and didn't spend really that much money and made a lot of money. So where do you, like, what are some tips you can give to like how much, how much you should really spend in promotion and, and the difference between like actually uh, having a big budget to promote, but then making the mistake of not having the book perfected or I guess there, the book is never perfected, right? Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise you'll never get to publish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, um, when it comes to prepping your book, and, the, and by prepping, I mean the editing and the design, um, you want to put in a certain amount of money. You want to put in the, the right amount, but you, you don't want to overdo it. And it's easy to overdo it because there are so many people out there willing to uh, just grab your money and add on things. And um, there's a lot of even, even the, the self-publishing service companies out there like uh, Mill City Press, um, dog ear publishing there's a lot of them out there um they still will you know have a lot of add-ons they'll still the prices can can drastically go up they can they can increase rapidly um so you want to spend that certain amount and you don't want to spend too little um you know you don't want to go for instance on fiverr to find somebody to design your book and your cover you can um but we've had people come to us over and over again that tried that route and just weren't happy. Um, so, you know, Jet Launch, we try to hit that sweet spot of what it actually should cost, uh, you know, and getting paid what you, you know, paying what you deserve for your book without going overboard. Um, because, yeah, that, that one company that you're talking about, they, uh, yeah, $250,000, most of that money is spent on just having them purchase your book for you. Um, so when it comes to promotion, 
you, you do want to spend a good amount on promotion. So spend a certain amount on uh, professionally editing and designing your book and then uh, put money into promotion, but do it the right way. Um, do your own social media, for example. People want to talk to the author directly. Um, you can get people to help you write uh, Facebook ads or any other advertising that you can do. You can go through Goodreads. There's all sorts of things you can do. Um, but a lot of these things that are designed to just uh, pump your book up initially, they taper off. You you run out of steam and then you're left without anything permanent. So make sure that the, the promotion you do is something that's uh, building your brand, building uh, not just your book, but your brand and your, your image and your business. Um, and pay attention to how those pieces go together and build something lasting, you know, uh, build your email list and give lots of value and uh, create a blog. If you haven't done that already, that gives lots of value. Just do those things that content marketing is doing uh, that is going to give you long term uh, promotion and give you long term uh, well, staying power for your book. How important do you think design is for the cover? Very big. It's that's one of the big mistakes people make is you know don't judge a book by its cover. And I've seen some really interesting book covers. <laughs> um, and I've tried to design book covers myself, and my own personal designs were awful. I'm like, okay, I don't know how this is done. So I hired uh, a book designer who handles the covers for me, and she does a wonderful job. And it makes a big difference. People go on and the first thing they look at uh, once they've uh, once they've typed in the keyword and found the, the kinds of book they want, they look at the cover and does it feel right? Does it feel professional? Does it grab them? You know, they're gonna click on the ones that grab them and uh, you know, where they can see the type and the font and the, you know, the, the, the name of the book. Those little things that a designer knows that we don't know. So cover is huge. That's true, Chris. I think people make a lot of assumptions just by looking at the cover. You don't even read the book and you're making all these assumptions about the book just from the cover. I mean, I, that's happened to me multiple times when I'm looking for a certain book on a certain subject. I'm like, uh, I don't think this cover. But then I'm like, wow, this is a really cool cover. It must be a really cool book. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's assumptions. You make all these assumptions without reading the actual book. Even, co even color makes a big difference. Are there certain colors to avoid? Uh, well, yeah, I've seen some pretty, uh, you know, hot pinks and greens and neon things, and, <laughs> you know, because people think, oh, I want to grab their attention. Well, you do, but you want to grab their attention with quality, uh, not with being, you know, brazen. So, I, yeah, I think only like Sex in the City books could pull off like a yeah, cover, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, be, be a little more subtle with your colors. Yeah, Make sure that they, he's not that into you. That type yeah, of book. That, you, right? <laughs> that, that was the book that came to my mind with the hot pink the cover. Hot pink, I oh. pull that off because that's the that's the one that, what they're going right. for. But yeah. Yeah, you know, think about your audience. If your audience is wearing a tie and sitting in an office somewhere, you know, they're going to want something that's that screams professional. Chris, I've got a question for you because I've started to do a lot, I started to study a lot more on like younger millennials and Gen Z. Do you guys see a younger audience that is publishing? Like what are you seeing out there? There's a Gen Z now? Yeah, because it's Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. My kids, my kids are Gen Z, you know. I yeah, there I'm starting to get a few more younger people. Um most 
most of them aren't ready to put out the cost, you know, to put out the money to do it. Uh, but they have questions and they're interested. And uh, yeah, we're starting to do a, a few younger people now. Uh, mostly, I mean, really, I either get older people that have decided to become fiction writers or I get business people, and that's the big one, is uh, business people that realize a book can help promote their business, generate leads, uh, they sell them at speaking events, anything, uh, they see it as a tool uh, to use to build their business, and it's a really good tool. Well, I, I'm just interested to know the youngest author that you've published for. Well, I had a mother contact me hmm. who was convinced her son was a brilliant author, and he was 15. And 15, yeah. I, I, mean, I yeah, I, I could see Kathy what you're saying. Yeah. Young, younger generation. I mean, that's they want to prove themselves, and it's you know the path to get there really wasn't you know it it's not as hard as what it was five yeah. or ten years ago with services like self publishing, mm -hmm. and really may, being able to establish yourself, even to do um, just a simple guide or. Uh, in just an ebook, not even having, yeah. you know, actually, actually a hardcover book, but that actually, I have two design questions for you, Chris. So font, are there certain, like, I see so many different fonts and so many different types of books and spacing. Um, how do you decide that? And is there, is there any tips you can give to the font and the head, you know, headline font and the actual font that you use for the body copy? Yeah. And little tiny, like really tiny fonts. They're so, it just seems so hard to read. Why would somebody do that? Right. Well, they're trying to, and it gets harder to read every year for me too. I don't know how, why that works, but <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. well, part of it too is when, especially when you're self-publishing, you, <laughs> you pay um, per page. So okay. when you're on, go to create space and you're looking uh, they, you have to put in your trim size, you know, if it's five by eight or six by nine, but they don't really care about that. You only get charged by the number of pages they have to print. So uh, if you have a smaller font, you have less pages, you know, okay. you're going to pay less. Um, but I'd say never go below 11 and a half um, and never go above, well, even 14, 14 can be okay, depending on the font, uh, but it's starting to get a little big. So right around the 11 and a half to 12 and a half, that's where it looks professional. Uh, so that's so for an overall font, uh, you want to have enough spacing in between the lines uh, without being too much. You don't want it double spaced, but you do want a little bit in there so that it's easier to read. Um, some of the studies have shown that sans serif fonts are can be easier to read on your computer. Um, the ones like Ariel, for example, or Helvetica, um, whereas fonts like Times New Roman, please don't ever use that in your print book because um, that <laughs> really is unprofessional. But there are some, you know, serif fonts that look really nice, like, uh, say, Bookman or Garamond or some of those. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones that have the little, you know, the little feet on the H and the P and the, the different letters. So do you use a different font for an ebook? Like let's say, for example, my book, I have an ebook version. I have the print version. Is it, I didn't even notice. Are they two different fonts? They, well, they are. Now the, the interesting thing about ebooks now is Amazon really wants you to not try to uh, use any specific font. So there's a way to force a font in an ebook so that the user has to see a particular font. Amazon hates that because 
the Kindle is designed so that you can choose the font that you're going to view. Okay. And they want people to do that. So you can choose, you know, well, there are several different options that you can choose, both serif and sans serif. Um, so actually, when I create the ebooks, I just do Times New Roman, knowing that uh, knowing that it's not going to make a difference. That's not going to come through. Whatever your ebook reader is determines the font that you see, and you have control over that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so, for example, the Art of Social Media by Guy Kawasaki and Peg Fitzpatrick, they I use that for my class, and they encourage to. Um, readers to buy the ebook version because there's so many links and everything. It's just such a huge resource. So I kind of took that tip with with my book too, and trying to put as much in there as possible, so, so that people that do buy the ebook. So I guess that's the huge advantage of doing the ebook is that you are you buying the ebook too, is that you get to have all those links and resources. Right. You can also use that as a really good marketing opportunity. So if somebody buys your print book. You can offer them uh, at the back of the book or wherever you want uh, mm -hmm. a, a free download. They can download. Ooh, that's what movies are doing now too. Oh, and, and it yeah. makes so much sense because yeah. when you sell a book on Amazon, you don't have any idea who buys your book. They don't release that information. So the only way that you can connect with your readers mm -hmm. is to offer them something so that they then go and sign up to your mailing list yeah. and download this you know, and especially yours, Lisa, I mean, you've got at the very end, all those, those Twitter links, that'd be perfect to offer people. They download it, they have all the links, um, or you can even just put it on your website, uh, you know, a special link somewhere there. So there's lots yeah. of opportunities. That's a great tip. And what about uh, hardcover versus softcover if you're doing the print version? So I had a client that said, oh, they only wanted to do the hardcover because of a credibility factor with that. So is that... Do you see any other advantages? I mean, I can see a hardcover versus softcover, but I personally would rather buy the softcover when I'm buying a book, just it's easier. Yeah, and hardcovers are, they're kind of going out of style even. Uh, most of the traditionally published authors won't even go to a hardcover. Um, and because it used to be, you'd come out with your book and you would first come out in a hardcover. And then, you know, a few months later, you come out with a paperback and well, that was it. Um, so there, there is, that's where that sort of credibility comes from. The idea that, oh, the hardcover is more expensive. It's more durable. Um, but you know, you go to a bookstore now and go through the shelves, if you can find a bookstore and you'll see that they're, uh, they're almost all paperback. Definitely it's possible to it's make convenient. I mean, who wants to lug around this huge, heavy book? I mean, I don't, I don't anymore. Right. right? And this, right. is a, this is a funny story, Lisa, and I want to kind of interject here because yeah, yeah. before I even knew Lisa, I found her book, okay? Oh, I didn't know that. This was March of last year. So I was on my way to teach my class. I, I teach social media in Europe, and I was on my way to teach my class. And actually, I required Lisa's book to be read. It, 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 was, a, it was an optional requirement, but most of the students did download it or whatever. It's not a big, it wasn't a big class, so. Um, but, but, you know, I found you first through your book. Awesome. So that's how I first knew about you. Now we're doing a podcast together. So, yeah. you know, so these things do happen. Like these books do generate leads, do generate collaborations. You do generate things that 
are going to, you know, benefit you in the long run. So I just wanted to interject that because you probably didn't know that, Lisa. So I didn't. No, I didn't. But it's been huge for me. I mean, I that's how, I, even though I, I went to University of Florida, mm -hmm. now I'm teaching a class at UF, Social Media Management. The way I got that introduction was because of my book. And if it wasn't for that, you know, that's what gave me the credibility to get my foot in the door for it. So it's been huge. And now the book is, is used by you, is used by um, BYU. So yeah. it's really open doors. You know, and I, I think that you, you have to be at a certain, you know, time in your career or have a certain, you know, passion to write the book. I mean, any book. I mean, it's, it takes such dedication. And I honestly would not have been able to finish it without having somebody pushing me. I hired a business coach, Charlie Gilkey. That's how Chris and I were introduced. And that's how I'm doing my next book and my third edition. And mm -hmm. one really interesting thing that Charlie said, Chris and Kathy, that you'll appreciate is that he said the best time to start marketing your book is three years before it gets published. <laughs> I mean, like it's, there's no, it's never too early and yeah. the best time to start um, pub, uh, marketing your second book is when you're writing your first book. So it's just, <laughs> it's this whole, I mean, I love it. Yeah. Cycle of, um, you know, craziness, but Chris share some tips on, um, some mistakes that you see people doing when they're writing a book and, and how long should it really take to write a manuscript? Okay. So mistakes when they're writing the book, uh, probably the big one I see, um, especially with fiction, but even with nonfiction, is not writing for your audience. People, uh, you know, people think they're amazingly brilliant and that everyone wants to uh, hear what they have to say. And so when they write their book, they're only coming out of their own place, their own mind. You know, they're writing the stuff that they know, which is great, um, but they're not putting themselves in, you know, the shoes of their readers. Uh, their audience, their their target market, um, you know, especially if it's a business book, you have to think about, you know, who your market is, what their needs are. And so writing a book without considering that is, uh, it's really hurting your chances of how well you're going to do. Because uh, if you do it, you know, ahead of time, well, and especially just asking people. So there's a book called Ask by Ryan Levesque. And he just has this brilliant formula for asking your audience exactly what they want and how to word the questions. And uh, it's not complicated at all, but most people don't want to put in that time. So, you know, especially if you have, you know, good social media following or an email list, put that time into finding out exactly what your readers really want and what they want to know um, and dig into that, spend time, ask questions, not just general ones, but, you know, Hey, I'm writing a chapter on this right now, mm -hmm. you know, and, and this is what I'm going to cover. But, you know, what do you think I'm missing? You know, it's even something on Facebook, you know, where people are used to interacting is going to give you some answers that you are, they're going to surprise you. And so in the end, you're going to have this book that is, you know, partially uh, crowd written by people that is going to answer the, the questions that they and people just like them are really going to want to know. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so when you get manuscripts, what do you see that are, what kind of glaring mistakes or things that you could say, oh, don't do this, do that? Oh, we just oh. lost her. I think we just lost her. She'll come back in. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. But well, then I'll keep, 
<laughs> yeah, it happens sometimes. It's a little wonky, but she's that's back. okay. Back. I'm back. Um, I did want to mention while we wait for Lisa that uh, one of the things that's really funny because I was trying to find out how do you get verified on social media and different platforms. And one of the people told me one of the things that they look into is if you've published a book. So oh, interesting. That's good to know. So FYI for you, Chris. <laughs> yes, that is really good to know because I was I was wondering that same thing. Is what you know? What do they go through? You have to. It's a lot of things. I mean, if you're a journalist, that sort of thing. But one of one of my friends who actually works in one of these social media networks said they do look at if you've published a book. It doesn't mean that automatically verifies your profile, but it helps. It helps. Yeah. So, that, there you go, Chris. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yep. Just that that credibility. Um. And so, Lisa, you asked about what what I see for glaring mistakes in manuscripts that come to me. Um, besides the fact that they've been written, in some cases, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just being mean. But some people, they haven't thought anything out. There's been no planning. There's been they just they they throw something together. But ninety, yeah, ninety nine percent of the time. I get great manuscripts with a lot of good information that I apply in my own business, like yours. Uh, yours has been a huge help to me. Um, but the mistakes that I see, well, you know, a lot of them are just plain old editing mistakes. And those are easily fixed by having somebody edit it. I will get people say, yeah, I've had this edited by several people. All these people have looked at it. I say, well, can I do a sample edit for you? And I do a sample edit and it's covered in red lines and uh, all sorts of things that people, unless you're an editor, you're not going to see and you're not going to know. Um, so there's there's those things, but I would say not to worry about those ahead of time. Let your editor fix those. Um, the other probably big mistake is organization. You know, do you have, uh, does your book, does the flow of the book make sense? Look at your table of contents. Does it make sense on how it flows uh, is, is it carrying your message across? Do you have things grouped accordingly? You know, we've looked at some of those uh, with yours, and I mean, you already knew how these things should be uh, put together and, and what parts and what chapters should be, you know, go together. But that's probably the other big mistake is just a lack of organization. Are there any tools you can recommend that authors should use that will help them before they actually bring it to, let's say, somebody like Jet Launch, like yourself? Uh, that would make it easier or give them insight. So the one that I just thought about the top of my head was Grammarly. Do you ever use Grammarly? I do. I just discovered it a few months ago. Oh, okay. When you laughed, I'm like, oh no, it's not good. No, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it has saved me just in my emails alone yeah. from looking like an idiot. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I run everything through Grammarly now. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, the key is you can't trust it. Um, mm -hmm. Use it as a guide. Yeah. But I've seen so many things in there like, okay, it's an algorithm. It's computer generated. Right, so right. It's not a real person actually editing it, which is a Right. Difference. But it does bring up uh, quite a few things that you wouldn't, th you know, you wouldn't think or you wouldn't catch. So Grammarly is a great tool uh, for sure. Um, and start with your, actually start with your spell checker on Word. Um, it's amazing how many people don't even run their stuff through that. Um, going back a little bit further is, you know, the organization. You know, some people like programs um, like Scrivener that kind of helps you organize as you write. Um, I've, never, but, I've never heard of that. I'm going to write that down. I haven't either. Yeah. How do you spell it? S-C-R-I-V-N-E-R. 
or E-N-E-R, one of those two. And uh, um, that is, it, it's for writers. It's especially for uh, fiction writers, but it's also really good for nonfiction because it lets you uh, organize as you go. It has, you can switch to like a cork board view. So like you've, you've put up different uh, sticky notes and things. Um, so that really works. My tool of choice actually is just Trello. Uh, I use Trello a lot for everything and uh, all my processes, everything I've got down in Trello now. And I will even create a board to write a new book. Um, so it's very useful for that. But, you know, find something visual, find something, you know, like Scrivener or Trello and use that to organize uh, and outline as you go. And yeah, Grammarly is another really good one. I have a question with brands that are doing guides and books that they might have, like, for example, Simply Measured. They're constantly putting out yeah. books, ebooks, or guides. So, have you seen brands actually um, take what they're giving away and, and, publish it on Amazon for like a 99 cent download or something like that? And how, how do you think yeah. about that? Yep. I have. And um, there is a way to, to publish it on Amazon for, uh, you know, to have it listed for free. Mm -hmm. um, and that's probably good. That's a useful tip for people. So what I do is you go, you publish it first on Smashwords. So go to smashwords.com and publish it on there and publish it. Uh, you know, is your ebook because uh, they'll let you list it for zero. Most places won't let you list zero as your minimum price. Oh, okay. And then you, from there, it'll get into say BarnesandNoble.com, mm -hmm. and then all I do is I write to Amazon through my Kindle account, and I say, "Hey, I've got this listed at zero on Barnes and Noble. Can I have it listed at zero on Amazon?" And every time they answer quickly and they just switch the price for you. Oh. So if, if you're going to use it, for, it's wonderful. It really saves a lot because, uh, I mean, you're doing it as lead generation. Yeah. So, you know, go that route. And I think it is a very good route to go because why not? Because, you know, especially if you're using the right keywords and doing keyword research, uh, people are going to type in the keyword that is going to find your book. And then you're going to reach an audience that you, a huge audience potentially that you wouldn't reach otherwise. Definitely, definitely. And speaking of optimization and keywords, do you have any good optimization tips for us once you're on Amazon? Yeah. And, you know, the other big How mistake is people not, Amazon. yeah, people neglect that whole piece of it. And um, people find your books on Amazon because of keywords, mm -hmm. you know, just like they find you on Google. They type it into a search field and those words or the word or phrase they put in, those are your keywords. And that's how you're going to get found. And Amazon has even, you know, come out and said that that's how you're going to get found. Mm -hmm. So uh, do keyword research. Um, I actually have a giveaway for your, uh, for your audience uh, mm -hmm. that has a bunch of, you know, resources and things in it. Uh, and then also lists the keyword tools that I use on uh, the process I go through. Um, so go through the process, find those keywords, and make sure that they're embedded in your description uh, and even in your title, if you can. Your title is important, your subtitle, and your description. Get the keywords in there and uh, use authorcentral.com, which is it's owned by Amazon, and it's how you beef up your author page. Otherwise, you don't really have an author page, so you can have photos and video and 
you know, a few other things and really extend the amount of description that you give. You can put editorial reviews. So a lot of the things that you see and you wonder how people got it on there, it's yeah. using Author Central. Hmm. And there's a different Author Central for each country. So there'll be one for the UK, wow. one for Germany. Um, the other tip that uh, I also learned within the last uh, year or so is when you put your book up on Kindle and uh, they, so you're uploading your book and you have a place to put your description and the author and whatnot, there's going to be a keyword field. Now, instead of using your keywords in that field, like you would, you know, think you should, <laughs> Amazon actually has a page that will list uh, the keywords that you can use to get into several additional categories. Ooh. This is a big one because normally you can only get into two categories. But if you put keywords in and they'll tell you what keywords to use to get into which categories, your book will then start showing up in multiple categories, uh, which helps you get found. That's awesome. Hello? Oh, no, we yeah. lost Lisa. She froze. Lost her again. Lisa, come back in. That was I think that's what. <laughs> I think she was just so shocked. I think so. She was like. <laughs> Well, that's what happened earlier, I think, when she said that you were frozen. You weren't on mine. Oh, so, really? Okay. Well, yeah. She was, yeah. How funny. It says, uh, Tor, we've got a question from Taurus Creative saying, Chris, where do you find the list of keywords? Ah, so the, uh, to put it succinctly, the keyword research process started out with the uh, what are called seed keywords. These are the mm -hmm. keywords that you think people are looking for. Mm. Uh, you know, so it's a book on selling, you're gonna have selling and sales and sales calls and all sorts of things like that. So make a list uh, first. And then I use a keyword tool. It's under uh, scientificseller.com. They have a keyword tool and I'll plug those seed keywords into there. And then I'll let this thing run for a, like 24 hours and they'll create a list of several thousand keywords that people are actually using. So the only way to know what people are using for a keyword on Amazon is if you go into their search field and you start typing something and they'll auto finish it for you. Oh yeah. Those Very are the, good. those are the, they'll give you usually a list of 10, but those are the top keywords that people are actually using mm. uh, to buy the books. So this scientific seller program will go through that and it'll just, you know, put in a word and make that, you know, grab whatever comes out of that list. And then you have this long list. And then I go through that and I'll, I'll narrow it down to the ones that actually make sense because this is, they're going to do it for, you know, any product. And I'm looking for book specific ones. Mm -hmm. So then I take that list. Usually there might be, you know, uh, maybe 30 different keywords, maybe 20. Then I run it through another keyword tool. Uh, I use long, uh, long tail pro because that helps me narrow it down according to which are the most uh, viable keywords. And then I use a keyword tracking program on top of it. I, I really go oh crazy. Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, woo. That one's called AMZ Tracker. And all of this is going to be in that download. Uh, okay. AMZ Tracker, that lets you, that one costs. The other stuff doesn't, well, Scientific Seller one doesn't cost. Um, <laughs> But that will, what it does then is it will take the keywords that you give it, enter that in up into the search field in Amazon, and then tell you where your book places on that list. So your ranking, uh, so if you put in just something like sales, your rank might be down to 300 or really low and 
which means it's going to take 30 pages before people find you. Um, and other keywords, you know, it's going to tell you where you rank for each one of those keywords. So then you can, you know, either come up with the new ones or you can test different uh, techniques or use them in links. There's all sorts of things you can do uh, to get people to find the, your book through those keywords. I just thought of something I have to share with you that one of my clients came to me, they wrote a book and the book title is the exact same title of a famous movie. So when somebody is searching for their book title, it's impossible to come up in and search. There's so too many things. That is such a tip for, I mean, just that you need to think of whatever the title of your book is that you want it to be, search it first. And if there's anything negative or like super competitive, maybe you should think of another book title. Well, and wouldn't that be a copyright issue as well? Uh, usually not. No, I've seen several books okay. with the same same title even, and there doesn't okay. seem to be an issue. But that keyword thing, um, I this happened. This came up with Charlie Gilkey in his book. His uh, first book had life cycle spelled with uh, just one word, but people weren't searching for life cycle with one word. They were searching for it with two words. Oh. So I convinced him to change that on his next version of the book. Uh, and so now it has two words and, you know, more people are finding it. Definitely. And I think just looking and seeing what else is out there similar to that, that book title, even if it's not the exact same, if there's, yeah, you know, something that's even a tiny bit similar that you're going to get confused with, or they're going to think it's you and it's not you type of thing, or um, something negative, you know, just from an online reputation standpoint, if somebody's searching your book and it's something very similar has a negative search result, it's not going to help your, it's not going right. to help you get found. Yep. So, yeah. Um, well, do we have any other questions from our audience? Because we are about out of time, but this has been so That's super interesting. Fantastic. Kathy, can you think of anything, any other last minute questions while we no, have Chris I, here? I, I'm can... ready to go publish. I know, right? <laughs> Get this going, Chris. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Kathy, you should. Yeah. Absolutely. I actually I have an idea I want to run my lease up on Twitter DM. So. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and Lisa, the... Um, the download link i i yes. made a link called it's at jetlaunch.net slash lisa oh nice you want to put it right here in the chat uh sure the link right right in there that i, way I put can... it in is that oh, yeah oh, yep perfect yay yep. and that will uh yep they'll be able to download the i actually wrote up 1600 words last night <laughs> <laughs> i was like i i can't stop writing answers to these questions there's so much people should know that's awesome. Well, we'll do a recap of this on social PR chat too, and we'll put the download there for you. Excellent. Any other questions maybe from the audience that we can, well, we have Chris, we can pick his brain a little bit more if everybody seems very absorbed and <laughs> loving it. Um, all right. Well, Chris, thank you so much. Kathy, welcome back. We're on for next week, Digital Dish. Yeah, I think Thank next you, week, I think next week we're going to be talking about Snapchat and small business. Yay. So, uh, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Thank you for having me on, Lisa and Kathy. It was nice to meet you. Thank you, Chris. Great having you. Bye, Chris. Thanks for everything. Bye, Thank Kathy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing 
public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.